to season two of the Young Player Wellbeing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brad Fullerton, alongside fellow co-host, Tony Capasso. Both Tony and I are practicing trainee sport and exercise psychologists and use our experience and knowledge to bring sports psychology and wellbeing concepts to life. But we don't do this alone. We speak to highly specialised guests who also share their personal and professional experiences with wellbeing and sports psychology. On the pod, we encourage listeners interested in all things sport to tune in whilst we provide insight on what working in the world of sport is like. We ask our guests the right questions to provide you with a deep dive into their specialised area of expertise and hope that after listening to each episode that you've taken something away with you. We want to redefine what making it in sport looks like. We hope that by speaking to guests who have made a successful career in sport, we can do just that. Now, let's get into another episode of the Young Player Wellbeing Podcast. We hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We're quite deep into season two now, Tony. I think we're on 11, 12 episodes. Doing well, been very consistent and I hope our listeners have been enjoying the season so far. There's been a bit of kind of drama between who's been hosting it recently, between myself and Tony, but I'm going to take the reins today. Uh, I'll speak to the main man now though. How are you, Tony? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. I've, uh, yeah, it's been a bit bit hit and miss, isn't it, the last couple of weeks, but we've seen to get, we've got ourselves back on track. And, um, I think, as you said, we are pretty deep into the season two, but we've seen to sort of hit the targets we've been aiming for recently. And we've got, you know, another great guest on today and we've got more lined up in the future. So it's, it's all moving quite nicely. Um, and there's also been some great feedback from, from listeners as well, which is always nice. So anyone else that's listening in, feel free to fire it our way. It's, uh, it's good because it keeps us motivated and it also, you know, inflates our ego a little bit as well. So that's always nice. Yeah, spot on, mate. Um, as a, as is a theme of season two, we've got another special guest on, another member of the Stirling University loyal, I would say. We've got Cammy McKinley on. Now, Cammy's doing his MSc part-time sport management, but he's also playing with Stirling first team, absolute banging the goals in as well, which I'm sure he'll be bragging about over the next hour. Cammy, how you doing, mate? Not too bad, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, mate. So we've got you on because previous guest, Connor, Connor Dawn. So no pressure, mate, because Connor's episodes, Tony, didn't it like go through the roof the first couple of weeks? That was one of our big ones. Yeah, it was. We got really good reception on that one. Uh, obviously, it helped that his, his team shared it out there as well. But yeah, big boots to fill there, but no pressure at all, mate. Aye, uh, we'll see who's better liked at Stalin Uni by the, within the next couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> Gammy, we'll just start off, mate, by kind of cracking in. We'll let you, you'll let you tell the listeners your own story sort of thing. So if you could tell us a bit about your experiences in sport growing up, what sport did you play? How did you get into it and the level that you played at or play at? Yeah, so no, that's cool. It's my background in football, basically, and other sports. A little bit of running at high school, nothing too major. But uh, like everyone else, you start playing with your friends early on and then Eight, around eight or nine, you're looking to play with teams, trying to play with your mates just on a, a regular Sunday, Sunday boys level, and you're just playing from there. 
So I've done that for a couple of seasons, got into it and uh, playing with your friends. You can't beat it at that age. You're, you're enjoying it. You're, you're cracking on and you're doing well. But from there, you keep on playing. You keep on playing with your mates. And I think I had a progression to go and play in the Dundee Leagues, which was quite... For me, I'm, I'm quite rural. I'm A-lift based, so it's about 20, 25 minutes drive into Dundee. And I was playing with the team there. And obviously, it's after school, you've got the... You've got your getting into Dundee, the rush hour, the panicking to get into training. So I started off with that, played in the Dundee Leagues, and thankfully when I was about 10, 10 year old, picked up by Dundee, just playing my regular games, got asked to come along to training, went along with there, and then I was signed. So I had my five years playing with them, and you've learned a lot playing there. But it was obviously it was a bit, it was an interesting mix for me. I think uh, struggled a wee bit physically. I think uh, I was fortunate. I've hit a big growth spot now, so things have changed, but. During, during the times I was physically, the Scottish game is such a unique sort of way of playing and you need to be physically a bit more built up and stuff. So I did I did play a lot of that and I was playing winger. I got dropped in the right back, played a good bit of right back, which was good and had a good goal scoring season at Dundee. Probably my best season where I was playing under a coach. I think his name Tony. Tony he was a head teacher at another school, I think it was in the Institute. And uh, he was he was brilliant. He, he gave me a lot of confidence to play and right back. I was bombing on. I was always playing, getting in amongst the goals, and had a good season under him. And then I went into the big under 15s to then into under 17s, and this is where I really noticed the physical gap of are you are you able to deal with playing men's football? Can you can you still be playing youth football? And that was the that was the big part that I kind of struggled with. I got injured. I was dealing with the Osgood Slater syndrome, which is the knee sort of issue that few people have, have had before and it's, and it's, it's it let me grow but at the same time it did interrupt my playing time at Dundee so there was a good few months where I was out and it was just a case of could it be this week could it be next week and it was just no one really knew the pain management was I was having to deal with that so when it came to the under 17s where certain players have to go you have that chat with the the sort of coaches I wasn't featuring too much because I was still injured at the time so I was kind of had it expected that I was going to be not playing, went from there and uh, that was the release from the Anders. I would have been 15 year old and I was about five foot five at the time and I remember, I think my mum was more upset than me and I just, I dealt with it myself but uh, I've kind of got over it, got back into football, played at that point, you're, you're just wanting to get back playing so I played just more teams with my friends again, played at Ferry Athletic which is a Dundee team as well that I've known for bringing players through played there and then when it came to 17-18, I was, I, was I decided when you do get released, you think of other options and that was where uni came into my mind. So I went with that, I had the uni idea in my head, thought get my degree, get aim for that, try and go down the academic route for life because I thought football, it was there, it was always there, I always had it, the passion burning in me but I just didn't, I didn't have it at the forefront of my thinking. So that's where I, I did transition, played into the uni. I was playing amateur football at that point as well, 16, 17 year old, went into men's football and that's where the physicality, I was fortunate, I was growing at the same time, so I was able to handle myself a bit better. And then I played just my, my local team, Cooper Amis, and I played with my mates, it was good playing there. And then that was when uni came into fruition as well. So then I started playing Wednesdays with the uni team, but it was at, it was at a lower level at the start. And uh, I started there, played Wednesdays and then played Saturdays back home with my mates. So I was getting two games a week, playing from there. And then I transitioned that into a good few seasons, playing at that level, playing two games a week. And before, after that, I kept on transitioning to play. And basically, if I'm going off track here, I've 
it's went into my uni career and this is where I'm at now. So I've just kept on progressing from there, went up the teams, up the leagues, and this is where I find myself now. No, that's, that's perfect, mate. Yeah, don't want to give too much away in terms of your the transitions that you faced at uni, but we'll get onto that a little bit later. It's just some things that I've I've got down that are seem to be all too common, speaking to people who grew up within playing within an academy system. So getting played out of position, uh, you spoke about also getting confidence from other coaches, dealing with setbacks like injury. Osgood Slatters is something that I experienced and I'm pretty sure it's connected to growth as well. So similar like that you mentioned that you're maybe struggling physically at that time. And then obviously you got released, unfortunately, so having to deal with that setback. Um, and then I like to part about going down the academic route and, and, you know, looking at plan Bs. So all things that are very, very common and normal for young players. I think sometimes players think that the experiences that they're going through are just exclusive to them, but it's important that you've shared that, Cami, because it, I think it helps to normalise things a little bit more. And just as we're moving on, you maybe touched on some elements there, but when you were growing up as a young footballer, what were your personal experiences with well-being or psychology in your sport, particularly in that academy setting? So, yeah, and talking on that, it's, when you're young, now, like looking at what I know now, it would be I'd be, I'd be a different complete story and I'd be able to tell you different things when you're young. You're just dealing with the things that are right in front of you, so you can't really process things. I think you're you're still growing physically, you're still growing mentally and like emotionally dealing with certain things. You do, you kind of just have to get like it's a getting on, get on with it approach. You don't really. I try not at the time. I would like to say that I didn't dwell too much on it, but inevitably it would it would affect you. But I just thought when you're that young, you're just like the next challenge, right? I'm just going to get into the next thing. I'm just going to get back playing again. You've, you've taken you've taken the, the upsetting thing about being the least. So the next thing was just get back playing, just get back into something that I'm doing, enjoying. So the enjoyment came, comes back into it. Because once again, it's a, it's a difficult one, but at times you did lose a bit of the enjoyment at the, the, the pro youth stage. And I don't know, it's it was maybe the monotonous of the training you weren't particularly feeling great, maybe the injuries were setting in and stuff, but there was a wee period where the enjoyment factor, I think off the, off the scene, there was a few things going on with Dundee at the time, I think, uh, and it was a bit of 4.30, it was a school run, so we finished school at 3.40, I remember you wouldn't go home till about 9, 10 at night, because what would happen is, living out in Blair Gowrie, even going to Blair Gowrie High School, you would need to commute to get into Dundee for 4.30 training, and that was a case of straight in, you go to the changing rooms at the school, get changed in the PE department, get ready to go to training, 3.40, have your lunch, like a pre-match We, what would you call it, just like a packed lunch sort of idea. That was in the car ready for you to go and there was like three of us at the time doing it and we would just go straight in from Dundee, uh, sorry from Blair, right into Dundee and then you were there for 4.30 and with a wee bit of traffic. I remember falling asleep in the car but every time you were always knackered from the day of school and it was just straight into training. And, a little bit of enjoyment did, I don't know if it did sap away a little bit, but there was a wee element of it where you're potentially playing out of position, I wasn't enjoying that, I wasn't getting the minutes at times, and then to not feature as much on the weekend, and then your whole midweek of doing that Monday, Wednesday and Friday, like you, you wouldn't feel, if you're only playing a feature on Sunday for a couple of minutes, you weren't, you, weren't, you were just feeling, oh, that was pointless, and 
inevitably a wee bit of the enjoyment did did kind of sap out. So dealing with that, it was a weird one that when you're young you don't really speak out, but if looking back now, speaking out to my mum and parents and stuff, that's that's probably better because I don't think I feel like I'd be the, I wouldn't be the only one. I think there'd be a few others that would be in a similar position where they weren't fully enjoying it and some of them do just bite that bullet and just leave the the, the setup straight away and just go back to playing with their friends and they potentially went down other routes. And like I don't know, it's just a weird one where the enjoyment. I do think looking back now, if I was knew what I knew now and dealing with it, I think there was a few things emotionally that you, you you can't really handle at that age. But you're just trying to get on with it and just trying to deal with it and move on to the next challenge, new the new game, the next minute you've got. Yeah, no, I totally totally hear that, mate. It's something that's again seems to be common when we're speaking to people going through that academy setup, but. Long days, you know, struggling to manage your workload, maybe not getting enough rest and recovery because sometimes players will be playing two matches at the weekend as well, depending if you're playing like up or down or whatever. And it can all become a bit monotonous is the word that you, you kind of mentioned there. I think at that age as well, you don't really know anything about, or I certainly didn't, and we're not too far apart in age, I, I certainly didn't know anything about psychology, well-being, anything like that so if you don't actually know anything about that then how can you even be aware that anything like that's actually happening to you so I suppose Tony our role as well-being coaches has helped to provide a bit of info on that like you know tips on balancing your your schedule and looking after your well-being the importance of rest and stuff like that do you think Cammy, you would have benefited from support that was similar to that at that age yeah i think so definitely yeah just any sort of conversations to be had to be able to be thinking like potentially like obviously it's, it's talked about a lot but being released at that level and like the care systems afterwards what other routes you can go down if there is something that they can do to just prepare them i think that that would, that would be quite a, a good thing to have but you've got your from my experience it was just the case of you had the exit trials and that was you and that was just kind of out the door and that was it so even if there is something, but a well-being coach maybe checking in every so often, how's things at school? How's, yeah, that, that definitely there could be, there definitely could be benefit in that because when they're young like that, to to just be able to have that extra conversation, I do think that there would definitely be some value in that. Yeah. Yeah, like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't have to be. You don't know anything about well-being or psychology until you're like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and then there yeah. could have been stuff along the way that might have helped you when you were younger. I suppose it kind of ties into our next question. Maybe the well-being support that you've been offered is, or that clubs offer is more after something bad has happened. Like, okay, this bad thing's happened, here you go, here's what to do. But I think we could be doing a little bit more in doing stuff that's, you know, preventative, so that's getting done before that challenge comes. Uh, Tony, did you have something that you wanted to chip in with there, mate? No, I think it's interesting when I was listening to Cammy speaking there, it's, it sounded like, you know, it was like the early signs of what we would call burnout that was happening there, like the, you know, it was monotonous and it was, the enjoyment was starting to be sapped out of it. And I think it just made, it just reminded me of some of the work we did last season around recognising burnout and, and understanding why, what might cause it. And then obviously the players that were involved in the programme last season had the opportunity to ask more details about that to myself or Brad. So I thought it was interesting that you were perhaps mentioning that and saying that you didn't have the knowledge or support to even know what those emotions were and I think to me that 
like when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, that sounds just like burnout. And I think hopefully the, any any players that listen to that, they might relate to it. And if we've not got to that stage in the program yet, feel free to obviously message myself or Brad. But also like you know, it's it's good that because it will be relatable to someone. It's good that we know we're going to be covering that at a later date. So it's just a really interesting bit that I just wanted to highlight before moving moving forward. Yeah, no, good man. Something I didn't really think of. Um, but no, that's an interesting point, mate. Uh, Cammy, just moving on to the next question then. So you kind of tapped into it a little bit. You were released at Dundee kind of just before that under-17 level. So could you tell us sort of some of the main challenges and experiences around that time and ultimately why that decision was made? Yeah, so I think... The Osgood Slatters, which we alluded to, that was a big thing. I wasn't playing minutes and there wasn't the, the, the managers was it was a lot of chopping and changing between new managements coming in. The head of youth would have changed and then there was a new guy came in. And I think it was a case of they didn't know enough to be able to have a, a statement of saying like you've shown enough potential because they generally just not seen me enough to be able to say that and I was I was injured for a long period of time. The physical part we were going from under fifteens to under seventeens. I think there was no under sixteens at the time. So it's a case of, are you ready for men's football? Are you 16-year-old? Like Now I'm seeing, physically, I'm seeing in the Lowland League, the league that I'm playing just now, I see some of the, the B teams, your Rangers, be your Celtics, be, and some of the physicalities of these guys that are young, these guys are, I was nowhere near that. And I can openly say that, just like the physical aspect, to be able to be 17, 18-year-old and to be built the way they are, like that, that, that takes a lot. And I felt, for me, I, I can see why Dundee wouldn't have, taking risk on that at the start I've had to go down my own little path to do that and to build myself up but I do, I do think the physical the physical side of things from going from under 15s to under 17s there would be no way that I'd be, I'd be able to do it so the, that coupled with the injury I think it was just a case of they, they needed to make a decision on what boys could do it and I think they had there was a few other there was a guy there was another guy that was in my similar position same area from where I'm from and he got released as well and the height came into it. That was one of the sort of things they did mention. We were about five, 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 six, and he was thinking, we want players that will be minimum five, eight, or roughly, roughly. Can't say for certain, but it was something along the lines where we need physical players that are going to be able to withstand the Scottish leagues. And I think, yeah, at the time, I think we weren't, we weren't really close to that. And for that reason, I think that was what kind of came away from the under 17 side of things. Okay. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that, though? Because. There's plenty of these Spanish guys out there who are like five foot three and seem to be no bad. So why is it different in Scotland? And what's your what's your opinion on that approach? So yeah, I can see why. For me personally, they want to know that I was going to go and bulk up in the way I do because now I'm six foot two and I'm I'm weighing about over eighty kilograms. So at the time, I think the the way someone grows, they can't determine that. And for them to be able to say that like, this guy's not tall enough, this is not it's. I understand the side of the need players that can deal with a bit more physical of men's football, but it's a, it's a weird one. <sighs> For them to predict what how tall people be at, they, they can't do such a thing. So I do think where they're coming from, I can see their point of view, but they want to know. So it's like one of them ones that's a to, <sighs> to and throw. I can't really throw under the bus and say like definitely, but for, your football-wise, yeah, you don't know ability-wise if that, sh- that should take the forefront of the thinking. So, yeah. you'd be able to see through that. But it's a, it's a difficult one. I, I'm trying to remain a wee bit impartial about it. I don't want to do too much. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, that's fine, mate. I'm just, I just interested. But maybe 
the coaching in Scotland isn't designed to make like we Santa Cazolas and we David Silvers and all that, uh, like it is in Spain. We'll just leave it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that you got released, mate. So a lot of people coming onto this podcast have had a very similar experience, and there are going to be challenges along that way. And it, did did that cause you to sort of doubt yourself and your own ability? So yeah, I was thinking, was it self doubt? I, I wouldn't say at the time it was self doubt. The other interest coming to my fourth one, I think. So, like I said about university, that came into play, and it was just like a plan B or another avenue. I was going to go down this route. I was going to do that. I was going to play for the more the enjoyment factor as opposed to play at like more of an elite level. So, I did definitely prioritise more trying to just do sticking at school, do get as well as I could at school get my hires, do as well as I could there and kind of prioritise that because you look at and you just, I still played alongside it so I was still playing rec, like Sunday League with my friends and stuff but yeah, I just think that your priorities sort of change with something like that so the self-doubt, it wasn't a case of oh, I'm, I'm not good enough at this level. I don't, you don't process it, you don't doubt yourself too much, you've always got like a, a sort of baseline confidence I felt when you're playing and you had your good games, you had your bad games playing at that level but you just knew that you you were you wanted more but you never particularly got there but it doesn't stop you from playing so you're just continuously playing on the Sundays you just keep on playing but my university my studies all that came in the, the forefront of the things so talking self doubt I don't know I never really crept in I never I never got too because it wasn't to the highest level I wasn't too anxious about things and I wasn't too worried about oh I need to perf- I need to make sure this gaffer is really is wanting me. I wasn't striving to be probably develop as much as I would potentially now. I think your mentality sort of changes a good bit when you get released and stuff. Okay. Yeah, so Tony, on you go. Do you do you think that perhaps the fact that you had the study, your studies there that you're focusing on your and your academics, do you think that that almost focusing a bit of attention on there helped take that stress off off football being something that was, you know, really intense and, and that you wanted to you know, aim for the stars and that. Do you think that perhaps kept you motivated and, and still involved in football because it wasn't like the be all or end all at that stage? Yeah, definitely, definitely. The start of the school stuff, and I think my competitive edge came out and it started to come out in my academic study. So there I was trying to make sure I was getting the best in the class at my A's, my B's, trying to get as high as I can in the marks. And I do think it's just translated from sport into my studies. And then that's like where I've kicked on, make sure I can get into university try and get as many unconditionals as possible. All that sort of elite level, sort of, you're always striving for more, trying to be as competitive and try to be as good as you can. Yeah, I think that definitely translated into that, and that's where I found myself getting a university spot. And yeah, definitely, could relate them two together, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like as well, you sort of said, you know, you translated some of that motivation you have for football across into the academics and use that as a, an extra boost or a tool that you could, you know, um, hack into to try and really make sure you're getting the most out of education. So I really like that. I think that's something that our players can perhaps take away from from listening to this is, is yeah, using that, using the skills and the lessons you learn from football and, you know, hard work and commitment and putting that into other areas of your life as well. So obviously, you know, succeed and successfully um, progress through your academics. That's great. Yeah, I think it's like just taking that, winner's mentality or elite mentality that academies instill into players into other life domains like school and for you that looked like getting into university so 
takes us on to our next question. When you were in first year at uni, you were in Stalin's fifth team. Now, five years later, you are in the first team playing against Celtic B, Rangers B, etc. So, how did you manage to make a jump from one of the lowest teams to the the highest team at the uni, team that plays in the Scottish Cup, which we'll get on to? So can you just tell us how you managed that and some of the highlights that you've experienced on your journey? I can see you smiling because obviously there's lots of... <laughs> there's lots of emotions that comes to for that one. But yeah, so the fifth team, going in the trials and stuff, the university kind of... I was trying to make sure that the university experience, when I first got in, 17-year-old, into university, I was still had that playing on a Sunday or Saturday with my friends. So I was 17, still playing at my Amish team, men's football, with my team back home, play with my friends, and then I've done made this major step. I'm going to go to Stirling University, and obviously, at the time, being a bit oblivious to it, I wasn't fully aware of how big the sport was at the time. So I kind of went in there. I knew of the the sporting background and stuff, and I knew it was the place for sports, but I didn't really delve into it as much as I probably should have initially. So when it came to the, the trials and stuff, I just went into the trials and said to them. This is, I'm playing with an army team back home. Uh, I can't really commit fully, but I'm going to be playing with them on Saturday. But if there's any other teams, and I was made aware that the fifth team play on Wednesday and they have their own box league, which is obviously university football playing against other universities. And I went to the trials and I think I was going for the university experience initially. So I think when I went to these trials, I might have been hungover. And I think it was one of them ones where I've been out the night before, I've rocked up to the training. And I just got a wee kick about, and it was the fifth team captain that just said to me, like, listen, uh, you've got training tonight, I, I would like you to come along. And from there, I just played that, had that level of fifth team football. I wasn't too aware of it all. I didn't know that was another five other teams in front of me. I was a wee bit, I'm quite ignorant in a sense to be able to not know that all that. But uh, I said to them, yeah, that's fine. I'm playing with my army's team on a Saturday. I can commit to the Wednesdays playing and training two times a week. So I was getting... The two sessions a week plus the game on a Wednesday and then I was still playing my team on a Saturday and I spoke to the gaffer at the Saturday team and he was okay with me missing training because he knew I was down in Stirling doing X, Y and Z and at that time I was 17 and I thought the gym at the uni was a big thing and I thought you know what I'm just going to bash this out a wee bit of the old uh, my mentality of I'm going to prove people wrong and stuff I thought that came into it a wee bit because I'm in that gym I'm thinking these guys I've been released for my height and not being physical enough so that was in my head where I was in the gym a lot. I was doing like bulking up. I was just going for to build myself up physically, to put on a bit more mass and just be a bit more of a presence. And at the time, I the, the Saturday team were playing centre mid and then I was playing centre mid with the fifth team as well. And I've ended up playing that two games a week with the two sessions a week and smashing the gym up at the same time and doing that from 17 to 18. I think that really benefited me and I just kept the, the two games a week with massive game times, 90 minutes on a Wednesday, 90 minutes on a Saturday and I felt the development of that coupled with my gym stuff, doing a lot there, I think that kind of really promoted me and it just instilled a wee bit of mentality with the, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep on going and later on in the season I realised the fifth team, like, I'm, I, we played a few bounce games in training and stuff against the third team, the fourth team and I always thought the gap's not that big between them. I, I, I feel like I could be, I should be playing that and I also felt that but I never I never voiced it. I just had it in my head that like I'm going to prove them, I can I show them. So when I played in them games you had that little extra edge, you were playing that wee bit, you are running that wee bit harder, you are pulling the challenges just that wee bit more 
and I always felt I think we beat the third team at the time when I was with the fifth team and all that coming into it, I just thought I'd process, uh, progress as much as I could, kept on playing, kept on playing. 17 came around, 18 came around, and then it was the case of the threes coach got in touch and said that he'd like to have me in a pre-season, played with them for a pre-season, and this was just about, but it was a year before COVID, so it would have been about 2020 or 2019, and uh, playing with the threes, so I got the jump from the fives to the threes, played the threes, but never had a game on Wednesday, so I played a game with the fours, so I can safely say I've, I think I've played with every team in the university, set up the fifth, set, fifth team, fourth team, third team, second team, fourth team, and I took one game for the 20s as well when I was injured, coming back from injury. So I've got I've got that under the, the bonnet. So did that with the threes, played with the the coach from the threes, had a successful season. We won a box league, still playing set mid at the time, had all that, went into the twos. He he got that because of how well he did with the threes, getting winning the league, he got up to the twos. And that time I was amateur and he I was still playing threes in amateur on the Saturday with my team back home. And then he got the job for the twos and he says, I would like you to come up with me to the twos. I like players that I trust, but I need you to commit to the Saturday. So this is where I decided, 19-year-old, I'm going to have to leave my armies and leave my mates back home, which was a different thing for me. But I told them, this is I need to do this for the twos. It was playing a higher level. The twos were actually playing the East of Scotland division. So I think playing at junior level, it was another step up, which I was I was keen to do. Just progress, keep on going, progressing the way. And then that was led me on to the twos. Played that for a season. COVID year happened. In and out of the team wasn't much games. We were having to go with face masks and changing rooms. It was it was that time of year and twos did a season with them and then did my last year with the twos and my fourth year of university and then had a good season and that was where the gaffer said to me at the time Brian Barkley he said to me I'm thinking about playing you up top. What's your thoughts on it? We're losing a striker. He was in fourth year at the time. He just put it on me. Fourth year did my striker played up top. Had an alright season. I think I got 35 goals went from there and then in between that period of time the first team gaffer was hearing about my goals and hearing about things and took me up for a couple of games as well just towards the last stage of the season with the first team and I got a wee flavour for what the loan league had to offer and uh, from there that was I think I got five goals when I went up to the first team and that gave me a wee flavour of this this could be lonely this could be good and this is where I came into the, the thinking of my masters so, I mean, it's a, it's a big story and it's, I've been on there for ages, but that's pretty much the five to the first team, the sort of progress and the path I've kind of took. Aye. Nah, that's brilliant, mate. Just for that. So it sounds like in the start, you used a lot of, or you got a lot of inspiration from previous setbacks. Like you said, you were driven by, you know, I'm going to show these people who might have released you in the past or people with doubts around you. I'm going to show them what I'm all about. So, I think that's a good learning point for players, like use previous failures as a learning experience. So oh, I've just lost a big game, like, oh, I never want to feel like that again. So what am I going to do about it to make sure that that doesn't happen again? So so I like that. And, and another point that you, you mentioned, you had a no bad season, you said, when you scored 35 goals in the season. A no bad season for me is like five goals, man. <laughs> I think, I think you're maybe uh, playing that down a wee bit, no? <laughs> nah, it was good. It, it was good. Uh, but yeah, 35 all comps. That's right. I, my box league, and there was, it was a good wee season, to be fair. Credit to the team. We had a good team at the year as well. One of the guys there was now playing first team with me as well, and he played in the 10, and he was a good few of the assists. And, uh, I've got to give credit to him, but the whole team was good as well. And I think, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good, good wee 
good wee run, but yeah. Uh, fair play. And it sounds like there was kind of sacrifices along the way there as well. What you mentioned, obviously, you played with your Amis team with your mates for a while, and that was probably a big part of you rediscovering that joy for football again after your time at Dundee. And yeah. that's another thing that comes up a lot players having to make sacrifices, you know, whether that's traveling to and from far distances or having to say say bye to certain chapters in their life because they really need to focus on football but thankfully it's, it's turned out well for you mate so I just want to kind of ask in that journey I mean it sounds like it was a steady progression but something that me and you spoke about before was dips in form players come to us as well being coaches quite a lot you know say oh, I'm out of the team I've not been playing that well so what are the best ways for players to kind of try how can they try to navigate dips in form? For me, it's just a case of working hard, isn't it? You, you, it's, everyone says it, but your chance will come if you're working hard. So you're in the gym, you're doing that little bit of extra, you're doing that extra bit of work. I always, I, I just feel your mentality, if you're in the gym, you're trying to develop or like improve in some regard. And that little small win, you're going to feel better about that. So that breeds a little bit of confidence. And with that small win, you're being the confidence, you're thinking, when you're back on the training pitch, that confidence will come out. You're going to play a bit more harder. You're going to you're going to try and go into challenge a bit more. You're just going to run a bit harder because the small wins are equating to stuff. And I feel being out of the team, yeah, you need to make a, a point to the manager of why why you should be in there. So if you are doing the right things, inevitably the good work will uh, will progress. It's, it's, it will show to the gaffer as well if you're working. You're doing bits and bobs extra that will come up into your playing. I do think, yeah, there's people that lose their motivation when they don't get picked, but I think that comes from your mentality. You, should, you shouldn't you should feel, all right, I'm, I'm like above. You've seen a lot of it in the media just now with players where they can, they're just losing sort of the track, they're not in the team. So I think it's important just to to really regain focus, get yourself in, doing extra, doing as much as you can to prove why, to just prove, prove why putting the extra yards and doing extra bits. I think that I think that for me, mentally, if you're in the gym, you're doing that, you're gonna you're gonna feel better off that and that should translate into your training and your your performances and the manager should pick up on that. I've already touched on form, so I, I don't know if you want me to mention about the form thing of things, but dropping yeah, dropping in a bit of form as well, it's same again. Doing a wee bit extra, I think that's massive. Extra shooting drills. You've not you've not scored in a few extra shooting drills, do a wee bit more in training. Take the gaffer a wee bit longer after the session. Can we do a wee bit more shooting? I felt my shooting was off. Stuff like that. I think that's also another thing that I would allude to. I know that's perfect, mate. Cheers for that. So, again, like those small wins help to provide confidence. Sounds like a lot of process focused stuff. So, instead of focusing on the outcome of, you know, I need to get back in this team and score X amount of goals in the next few weeks, it's more about. What can I do in the in the present that's going to help me to get noticed by the manager, or what can I do that's actually going to help me to improve? And for you, it sounds like a big part of that is obviously working the gym for for the other players. That might be other elements of their game, and obviously as well-being coaches or training psychologists, we're going to argue for spend time developing that area of your game as well. And of course, me and Tony are there to help with that. Tony, but anything else on that before I go to the next one? Yeah, I just really like, like like the idea that you're getting across there, which is around sort of trusting that process, building up those 
we call them positive cues. Um, so that's like building up the positive uh, like memory banks, I guess, or positive feelings you have around being in front of goal. He said there, whether it's staying after training and just building up that if, if you are having a different performance, building up that sort of positive relationship you have um, by repeating, you know, those skills and those drills over and over again. So you know that you do have the skill there. It just might be that, you know, you're waiting for an opportunity to come so you can really show that. Uh, I think it's something that Tom... Gardner in a previous episode um, got across quite nicely so I think it's like trusting the process putting that hard work in hard graft as you said like going to the gym making sure you're doing all the things outside of training um, correctly so again you have like no doubt in your mind that you know I'm, you're taking everything off so that your time will come it it leaves little room for any doubt that that could creep in um, so I really like that as well um, I had just a question as well sort of maybe going back a little bit on where we're going um, on the podcast, but you, you mentioned that you left amateur football to then play, just just focus on 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 your sort of football career at the uni. And I was wondering if leaving amateur football did that sort of increase the pressure you had around playing at all, or did it not really affect it too much? So I think uh, coming from amateur side of things, I think I had to wait for my chance. So going straight into that junior level football, I wasn't starting straight off the back, and I think. It's, Everyone should know that when you go up a level, you can't just expect to go straight. And I think it's quite, if you're going up a level, you're always, you're playing at a higher level. So inevitably your chances will need to come at a different pace. You need to ease yourself into the level because as you go up, the, the pace of football, for example, it's just like it goes up a notch. So every time you play, there's more physicality, there's more running to do. So I felt I was waiting first season, I think I was coming off the bench a lot. And I was, you do have that little bit of, prove the man's are wrong. So when you come off the bench, make sure you do something. And I felt that that came into play and that helped me drive to make sure that I did something on the pitch that the boys were like, oh yeah, this, this guy's got something. So I think that was quite big. But yeah, the answer to Junior, I think that, that biding your time and waiting and making sure that you can, the opportunity will come when you do, you just got to grab it with two hands. It's, it's as cliche as it sounds, but being patient with it as well. You need you need that because you're not gonna you can't just go in there and expect to be playing straight away. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks for that. I think that's quite like quite common in any transition like that players might make. For example, if you go sixteens to eighteens, you're like the younger part of the group. So maybe you have to wait a bit of time to to take your opportunity there. Or if you go eighteens to to like reserves or first team, you might even have to wait even longer. So I think that's having that patience and working on those processes is a is a good point to take away. You've tapped into it a little bit, mate, but you've changed position kind of pretty recently, really. You were a centre mid for most of your time at Amis, if not all of it. But then when you went into second year, you mentioned... Uh, sorry, when you went into the twos, you mentioned that you started playing up front and that's currently where you're playing for the first team. So how has that changed your mentality around your performance? So yeah, mentality is massive for me now as opposed to what it was then. So set a mid, it's your, your cues and stuff that you talk about, your positive cues, winning your your challenges and stuff. Like Sometimes I was looking at the small wins in a game, winning my tackles or getting as many passes out wide that... That was the sort of things I was looking for at that time. But when I've transitioned into a striker, it's a lot of your striker plays confidence. And I think the, the confidence of being able to take a shot on or to take a risk, not to be playing higher up, 
you've got less risk on the ball, so you do feel that you can take on a bit more risk. So I think the risk taking, propensity, and stuff like that, that all comes into play. Where I'm up top, I'm trying, I'm trying things that I wouldn't necessarily try if I was playing midfield, for example. So I do think that, that that's benefited me majorly. I think I've got to, yeah, I've got to acknowledge that. that that's massive for me these days. And if there's other parts, yeah, I think just yeah, the cues and stuff, changing position has been massive and. Breeding confidence, scoring one goal, and then you think, "Where's my next one? I want my next one. I want my next one." You're just constantly striving for more. And I think that that development of doing as well as you can and scoring more goals and the numbers they add up. And before you know it, you're you're hitting ten plus goals. And then I think that just breeds more and more confidence, and it just allows you to try more things. And I think definitely the risk taking kind of things as well. Repeat myself, but I think that's all that all ties in well to playing up top. Whereas I don't think I would have done that. I was more safe. It's more secure when I was playing midfield. It was more just make sure you're doing your job and stuff. Yeah, so it ties into the idea of you need to be more selfish as a striker. And I'm sure that's something that your manager will have spoken to you about. Strikers are measured on goals. Midfielders are maybe measured on if they can win that individual battle or how many balls they can get out wide like you were saying, dependent on, on the way that you play. So was it that changing mentality a lot to do with your gaffers that you had during your kind of change of position? Definitely, yeah. The, the gaffers, yeah, they definitely give you that freedom to go and express yourself, to go and try these things. Like, you, they see you in training week in, week out. So I've been quite fortunate with the twos and the first team. The amount of training that you do get at this level you're in three days a week with two potential games, a Wednesday and a Saturday, and that was the same from the twos and the first team. So the managers, the coaches are around you that much that they know what you're capable of training. They see you finishing week in, week out at training, so they know what you're capable of. So when you do get the, the old, it's a cliche one, but the, the, the hairdryer treatment, when you're getting caned for whatever at halftime, you've not had a good game, they know what you're capable of because they see you week in, week out in training. So they're like, I know what you're capable of, so translate it onto the pitch, and that's where you can get that wee bit up the backside to, to, to spur you on to go and do that wee bit better. And I do think uh, if, they, if they managers know you well enough on a personal level and they trust you, which I do think there's always been levels of trust and how much you, yeah, I think they'll, they'll give you that licence to go and do that and go and try that. And I do think that all ties in really well and having the right environment, the culture and stuff, all that. It's, it's massive to make you want to do that and to go and play for that manager and stuff. I think all of it ties in quite well and you want to work for the manager and vice versa. I think it, it, it's a good combination that works, yeah. Yeah, good. So we spoke recently about that culture and the role that managers have and instilling that. So it sounds like culture at your sort of club is, or for you specifically, is to go on and take risks and... Your gaffer sounds like he's certainly not scared to give you the hairdryer or a, a boot up the arse at half time. So uh, and that's good to hear. And you've spoken a lot about confidence, mate. So that takes us on to our next question. Why do you think confidence is so important in football? Maybe relate that to your own experiences, but wider experiences as well. And do you think that it's the most important mental attribute or mental characteristic that a player can have I think definitely it's it's massive now I think I'm seeing it more and more often uh, like mentality comes into play and I think if 
you have that level of self belief, you're going to play more. You're going to play better, and you're just going to have a better sort of mind frame when it comes to making a mistake on a pitch. You you make a few mistakes, you're not going to beat yourself up and have be slamming the ground, etc. You're going to be. I, I know I'm what I'm capable of here, and having that all the time, that self belief in you, will spur you on. So, for example, five shots on target. One of them maybe goes in, but the four other ones that don't go in, that, to have that self-belief constantly in you. Knowing, I, I think also your training relates to that, because I know like you you know yourself in training, you're shooting drills, you're doing well in shooting drills. If, the, if you're doing well on the, on the Monday in the training, and then you come into a game on the Tuesday, the couple of shots that don't go in, but maybe that third one does go in. And I think all that comes into play. And yeah, I think your level of self-belief if you've got that in you and you know you're confident in yourself you know you can I, I, mentality I think is a big thing because I think they tie in together obviously but if you have a mentality where your self-belief ties in your training your everything's in the right your recovery's right your all these things I think it all shapes into the one thing and but the yeah I, I'm kind of waffling here I'm trying what I'm trying to angle it's it all ties into different things but having that self-belief I think is massive I really do think Having that, being able to not have that fear of mistake, I think, because other positions might you might have that, but doing your job, solid data with 10 performance, and I think all them tie into it. And yeah, I think confidence is massive. It's the small wins again. I've, I've touched on that earlier, but definitely touching on dealing with them and take, translating them into your games and stuff, I think that's all massive. So it's almost like, if you have that feeling of kind of freedom and confidence, then that feeds into the way that you perform on the pitch. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so, definitely. Yeah, your self-belief and you'll take the risk, you'll do that a wee bit extra. You, you know what you're capable of in training. You just demonstrate it on a Monday. You think into the game on a Tuesday, I'm capable of doing this. So you do try these things. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think what was nice there is you, you you highlighted as well, like again, touch upon that, like the process. So like using those small process goals to build up that confidence as well. So it's make, taking those small wins and really like feeding them into that self-belief you spoke about, um, Cami, is, is a big thing that we try and advocate for our players to do as well. So, you know, creating those process goals, having those small wins, which can be hitting like really small little goals that you've set up for yourself, which actually add up to that feeling of self-mastery that we often will talk about with players and then that self-mastery will give you that self-belief um, which will help you really grow in confidence as a player so um, yeah really good yeah I mean I would argue that from the work that we've done with the players who are all between the age range of like what 14 and 18 I would argue that confidence is a thing that comes up the most and I can relate to that within my own experience of football. If I'm not confident, there's a slim chance that I'm going to play well because I'm not going to do the things in my game that are a bit more risky because I'm scared to do them because I'm not confident. So for me, I think it's... I don't want to go say it's the most important thing that a player can have, but I would say it's one of the most common things that comes up a lot. And I think Cammy's done a lot on this episode to to outline ways that you can create confidence through those small wins. So definitely a great takeaway point for any players listening. So I was going to say 100% and, and also I think I think Brad's been taking away some of this knowledge too because he uh, stepped up and scored a penalty recently, which he's usually absolutely terrified of. So 
said yeah, actually. I certainly wasn't say confidence. That was from <laughs> you're taking the sixth one, by the way, I might say. So I, I went hiding for the first five and then I had to take the sixth one. Uh, I absolutely ganked it as well. Thank God the keeper moved because it just went straight in the middle. But my knowledge of pre-performance routines kicked in because the ref blew the whistle and I waited a good five seconds before I took it so I could get a bit of breathing in. So anyone listening, I am the world's worst penalty taker, by the way. So if you're doubting yourself about taking a penalty, get up and take it because I can score one. Thanks for that, Tony. I guess we went through, thankfully, as well. So, all good. Cami, <laughs> uh, I know you're absolutely choking to tell everyone about how many times you've played on the TV because that's what you always talk about when we speak. So, um, if you could tell us about... You played in televised matches in the Scottish Cup, obviously, against Dundee United last season, but also Albion Rovers uh, this season. When you play in games like that, that are on that larger scale, there's more fans, it's on the TV. Does it change the way that you prepare and what are some of the biggest challenges about playing in these environments or at that level? So, yeah, for playing the TV shows, uh, I've not been mentioned too much yet. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, you kind of try and keep it the same. So you try and make sure all your routines and habits are all the same. So when it does, everything's so natural to the point. Everything, and it's, I always notice your nerves are be at the start when you're like seeing the fans, you're taking all in the atmosphere and stuff. But as soon as you get into a warm-up and you get a touch of the ball, and I feel like your first couple of touches, you ease into the game and you're you're you're, you're doing what you've been doing for the last, what, how many years? Since you're eight-year-old, since you're six-year-old, whatever. So I do think as soon as you get that first feel for the ball, everything just settles out. Everything settles down and you're just doing what you love and that's what you need to remember the whole time. The outside noise and stuff, it's about kind of silencing it a little bit because, and if, yeah, louder, more fans, it's going to be louder, it's going to be more hectic. So everyone can, yeah, the outside noise can get to you and you can, you can get nervous by it. But if you can learn to just like have everything routine, everything in place, all your habits remaining the same, not changing too much, not trying something that you would not necessarily try and having... Yeah, just as soon as you get onto the pitch, you know what you're doing. You're back on. You're 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 doing what you love, and I think that's massive. Just remembering what you're there for. You're there to do a job, play football, and it's a thing that you've been doing all your life. So that I think that's massive. Just to calm yourself right back down, brings you back down to earth a little bit when you're seeing all the the, the fans and stuff, the the, the mount and the crowd and stuff. You you really do calm down once you get that first feel for the ball. Aye, so Cammy, I mean, some of the stuff that you mentioned there again ties in really well. To, to confidence like getting a touch on the ball early that's something that I always encourage when I play to everyone in my team to do it because that certainly helps me settle the nerves so I can only imagine what it's like in those environments and the other thing that you mentioned was kind of you didn't mention the cliche as such but it's almost like just play the game not the occasion like you've been doing this your whole life so just focus on that so that, that's that's good as well and then the last part was about you said don't change your habits. So do, is that something that's quite important to you around like preparation and even on the pitch as well? Could you tell us a little bit more about your habits? Definitely. It's just it's little things, but for me, I like to tap into the caffeine and just get myself a wee buzz before I get into the game. And I just feel you run a little bit harder. You're, you're a bit more concentrating and a bit more alert. So I always try and have a couple of coffees before, before the game. I try and... Uh, 
make sure I've got my air, I'm breathing good, so I've got the Vicks on the chest, I just do wee things, but all the routines stay the same, so you're just getting yourself in the changing room, the music's on, you're just, you're easing yourself into the occasion, you're not getting flabbergasted, it's just everything's, everything's constant, having it all routinised, and it's something that you've done every game, so you're used to it now, you know what you're doing, you're not changing anything drastically, which might alter your thinking, that might stress you out, or anything like that, so I'm trying to just have it all calculated, uh, having all that sorted makes you just you ease into your game and once again it's remembering you're there for one reason to play the football and that's what you do so having all the, the same sort of cues that you do every every Saturday religiously you're, you're, you're just tapping into that again and it's just a case of repeating what you've been known you're, you're doing you know what you're doing and stuff yeah, That's great insight mate and all the best players tend to have habits so if you're listening maybe have a think about is there anything that you do that's consistent and why is it you do that? What type of feelings does that bring up for you? Does it make you feel more confident? Does it make you feel more relaxed going into the match? Because these are things that can really help to transform our performance as well. So that's great, Cammy. Cheers for that. And were were there any specific challenges about, like even from a technical perspective or maybe even more relation to the occasion in terms of the challenges that playing it, um, Tanadice brought, playing against Albion Rovers brought like what was what was different about it compared to Bucks or Le Lowland? So inevitably the occasion does make you run that wee bit harder or you're a wee bit more fired up for it aren't you you don't need to be fired up for the occasion you're not expect you don't need the manager to come in and give you an inspirational talk because the occasion in itself is enough to to give you that massive buzz of I'm playing at this level I'm playing against players that have done this in the game and they've done that but I also think don't get too caught up in that because you're looking at the players and you're saying, oh, he's played there, he's done this in his career. And I think if you're focused on that too much, it might take away from yourself, whereas like your self-belief and stuff, so you might not take things on because, oh, that's a goalkeeper that's played at an international level. Whereas if it was any other goalkeeper, you would still be you'd be shooting, for example. So I do think it's all about making sure that you don't get too caught up into the, the opposition. You're not focused, you're not worried too much about them. You're still focusing on your own game. So you're playing against X, Y, and Z, but whether the you're on the same pitch as them just now, it's eleven v eleven. You're you're there, so it's about bringing that back down to earth and having that. Trying to remain, you're there. You're there for a reason. Having that, the self belief to be able to go and still do these things, considering it's it's players of this caliber, it's players of this quality. You go and do what you can, and I do think, uh, yeah, the running harder that definitely comes into it because you 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 want to prove, you want to be like. I, I, I could be on a pitch the same as them. So you're always, you've are you got that in you and that sort of chip in your shoulder. You are playing that wee bit more on the front foot. You're trying things. and It's different though. You play, I've done United who, we, when we played them, we were kind of, they're possession based. They're popping it side to side. So it's about when you do get your opportunity, you are waiting a bit longer. You're, you're maybe not on the ball as much. So when you do get that, that little counter attack, that little break, it's about composing yourself to be able to just do like ha- have that quality on the ball to do something with it and I do think if you can just calm it down calm the occasion down and just try and ease yourself into a game and yeah like with the cues get on the ball feel for it and just that that brings you right back down to earth and it, it just eases you into things so yeah to be get, getting caught up with it all I think it's time just remain constant with it all and try not to get too caught up in the, the heat of the moment and stuff that's good, mate. Cheers for that. I mean, a lot of the guys listening will be Dundee United fans. A lot of people listening won't be as well. So, can you tell us about how the match went, in a sense? Like, I know there was 
they scored at a difficult moment for you. So can you just talk to us a little bit about the kind of the game in that sense? Yeah, so we're, we're backs against the wall. We're we're thinking. I think Dun United were on a bit of a bad run at part. So we're thinking if we can frustrate them as much as possible, try and keep them into first half for the first half. Try and keep them now. Now they've scored on the forty fifth minute, which was a bit of a, a blow, but. We thought if we can get them just frustrated, they weren't doing great in the league at the point. I think they were, they were born at the point, and we thought if their fans could get on their case a bit more, they, they might play a bit more mistakes. For me personally, I was looking at they were playing a back three, so I'm looking at one particular player that I should try and be on more and try and play on more. I think that, that comes into that's maybe a bit of my game that I just do, but I was trying to <laughs> avoid big Charlie Groot at the time he was playing, so obviously, <laughs> Charlie Groot is it. A player that's played at Blackburn, played at Scotland International, so I'm trying to avoid him. But I was even the little things. To be fair, the different the golfing class, you notice it. Um, when you play at our level of league football, you can sometimes show a player down on their weaker side, and they might not want to play. When I was playing against Mulgrew, I was showing him on his right, but he was still finding his clearances. We're finding players as as cross field passes, and that we're still hitting their players every time. So when when I came into play, it does give you that bit of like when you do it a moment, you need to take the chance, but. Yeah, with 45 minutes, we got them into, it was now now and then 45 plus one, I think, Aziz Bejic, who had literally played in the World Cup prior to it. So it was in January of the game and he was in November. He was playing up against Messi, Mbappe and stuff in the, in his in his league game. So I think this, this added all into the David Goliath sort of tie where they were talking, comparing a team of that calibre to university students to... The boys, big Fletcher was up top. He was, I got a shot in the end, it was good, but he's up top. He's probably playing... Boys, are, boys in our uni team are on student loans and stuff, whereas Big Fletcher's up top is probably getting a student loan a week off than you need <laughs> play there and stuff. So the levels, it was just, it was an interesting one, but it was good. I came away feeling a wee bit gutted though, because losing a game in football was never nice, but yeah, one, one and a half time, kind of a bit of a sickness for us, and then they went on to get their other goals. But it was a case of, I think, just holding them on and just the little little chances that we got if on another day, you never know. But the occasion was just enjoyable nonetheless. To get that far was good. And I think the round beforehand, playing Albion Rovers was good as well. And I think they were in a bad situation as well with their bottom of the league. So just trying to capitalise on that little that little bit of their fans getting on each other and trying to do perform in them moments, I think you have that little edge. And I think that was quite big. But... Yeah, for the Dun United game, good experience, good, good, good experience, definitely. And the the thousand uni fans that came as well, it was, it was good. It was loud at times. I remember in the warm up, I couldn't hear like instructions and stuff I was getting because they made that amount of noise in the possession zone and stuff. Boys were shouting for the ball, I couldn't hear because generally they were we were just right in front of them. It was just screaming. But no, that was good. It, it gives you it gives you a flavour for like that sort of level above and. It, for me, it strives on to wanting to do more in the game. You're always, you see that and you think, you know what, I'd be brilliant to play at that. And for me, I, I don't shy away from thinking like, you just got to constantly strive and you never know what could happen on your corner. Boys' careers, like especially at this level, you don't know where you could be in a few years' time. And I think that's quite important to know. I was speaking to my assistant coaches all week and we're comparing the boy, yeah, just signed for Southampton from Sunderland, Ross Stewart. He went for four million or something. I think he was at Albion Rovers when he started his career. He's not Albion Rovers, the, the team that we're, I'm playing tonight, funnily enough. But he wasn't thinking when he was playing at Albion Rovers, I'll be signing to Southampton for four million. You don't think that at the time. You just deal with the, the now and you just constantly do what you can and do what you've been doing, which is 
like you build on your successes, your small successes, and just keep on going from there. And I think that take that into into the leaf of the book and just constantly keep the striving on development and see what happens. Really, that's brilliant, man. Again, those kind of small wins, and I remember seeing that. I remember seeing the Stirling fans going crazy on Sky Sports News because there wasn't actually a lot of Dundee United fans in there. So I think Stirling were making the most racket, which was, which was good to see. And uh, claim to fame, Ross Stewart was in the year above me at school. I might have actually played in the school team with him at one point. But like like you say, Cammy, like he kicked on like physically like a lot when we, we left school. And now he's like six, four or five, maybe. It's huge. So. Um, I guess it does kind of show you the importance of the, that physical element sometimes as well. Uh, just moving on to the last couple of questions, mate. These are questions that we like to ask all our guests in the podcast. So, firstly, what are your three tips for looking after your own well-being? So maybe when you're feeling a bit low and you're trying to bring your well-being up or anything that you do to maintain well-being, what would those be? Uh, so for well-being, there's a few bits and more that I could talk into, but I think a sponge sort of approach. So I think picking up little things from everyone that you're around. So we things that you can translate into your game. But even just the players that you play with, like I had a player last year that I took a lot of things from. He was a captain. The way he leads, I thought the way he even just communicates in a game, I think the little things like that, I think if you can take everything that you can outside your your game and take it into all the little, all the good bits, trying to constantly learn, basically, you're you're never going to be the finished article, so constantly taking wee bits from everyone, I think I think that's massive because what you can always add, you can always add to you again. There's always something that could that could be beneficial to you. So having that mentality of being in a different setting that you're maybe uncomfortable with, but even just the way the Dun United game, for example, Charlie Mulgrew, a leader, played at the highest level, done X, Y, and Z in the game. He got the boys in. I remember the first 35 minutes, they were, they were now now and they were, they were panicking, the fans were on them. He's got the, all the lads in, all the players, senior player like him, saying X, Y, Z, we need to move this, we need to move the ball. I was just eavesdropping a little bit, but I was just listening to him and he was saying, we need to move the ball quicker. So taking in everything you can, the, the little things that your recoveries and stuff, I see other players that are big on their recovery, having that little any sort of percentage edge is going to be beneficial to you and that mentality of constantly the 1% of anything's going to be beneficial, picking up on this psychology, the well-being side of things, anything that you can, if you're, if you're having a successful day, can you settle down, can you get a, a bit of, go out for a coffee with a friend just to relax nerves or do something like that before a game that you think is high profile, you think if you can just calm things down and keep that, I think that's another well-being thing that I would, I would definitely I use on a day-to-day basis just to try and relax yourself. Uh, remaining constant, I think, quite a big thing as well of not too high with the highs and not too low with the lows. So when you do lose a game, can you just get yourself back on track? The next day, if I lose a game Tuesday, I've got, for, for this situation, I've got a game again tomorrow on the Wednesday, just the way fixtures have worked out. But getting back in amongst the, the team and just making sure you're always in this sort of Constant. When you're too high with the highs and the lows of the lows, the extremities of oh this this defeat's hitting you really bad and the high if you go too high then when it does go bad you you, you are struggling that little bit more. So I think remaining constant. A few managers have mentioned that to me in my time and I do think that's massive. Getting into training, just bringing yourself back down. You're only as good as your last game. You're only as good as your last training session. So just trying to be in the environment of. Even a gym, for example, the next day I'm always trying to get into a gym for an active recovery session, just anything, on a bike, doing something that just gets you 
back moving again and bringing yourself back down. You're, you've got a job at hand, you're focusing on the next game and trying to have that, I think, is massive for the mentality because there's so much of, you can dwell on a game for too long and one night I'll leave it, I'll sleep on it, next morning it's a new day, you just attack the day and it's just another thing. So I think that's another wee thing, remaining constant is massive for being in that middle ground, not too high, not too low. I think, yeah, that could be something I'd like to make mention for you guys. Aye, that's perfect, mate. Cheers for that again. So the kind of sponge approach, like drawing upon what you've learned from other people and how that can help you. Taking time to actually relax, and you might do that by going out with like a mate or, you know, like just catching up with someone. It could be something as simple as a conversation over a coffee and then sort of being constant or being present, like not beating yourself up too much when something goes badly, but not getting carried away when something goes like really well because at the end of the day you've got it's on to the next thing so quickly in football and it's on to the next game it's on to the next training session so that's really good and just lastly then mate do you have any advice for young players or young academy players if you were to think back to maybe what advice you could have benefited from as an academy player and you're maybe like 14 to 18 kind of you don't know your path, and I've, I've I talked about Ross Stewart there. That's just a strange connection that you've got. But uh, you don't know where you're, you 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 could be. You, you really don't, and players don't always have that in their mind. Oh, this is where I'm going to be. You can always have an end sight and goal, but you're always constantly striving to it. So if you're constantly trying to, you, you just don't know. You, you 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 could be. I'm thinking at the 15 there. I'm not thinking to myself. I'm going to be playing in something like 5,000 fans against Dundee United in a few years like you don't think that so you're not always going to visualise what you do but if you can just try I think remaining in the present yeah in the now and focusing on the controllables of what you can control and you can control how hard you train you can control how much you're doing off the pitch how much you're doing on the pitch all these sort of things if you can constantly tap into that and deal with the now deal with physically training doing as much as you can at this at, at the level that you're at at the position and I think having that in your mind of I want to do well I want to strive more and constantly being hungry for more I think that could translate into the small games and just developing university as well it's, it's a daft approach but I, I went there thinking I'm going there solely for a degree little did I know I was going to go through the athlete the the scholarship process I didn't there's all these other alternative routes which aren't always right in your thinking at the time I've went to the uni when I'm 17 I didn't even know like the Scotland the Institute of Sport and everything's at the university. I wasn't that aware of it. So you don't know what's down your path. So just remaining in the now, focusing on what you can control, I think is massive. And just gradually going from there and just easing yourself into things. I think that's a big thing that you could you could really benefit from. Don't focus on that end goal too much. Try and just deal with the now. Yeah, brilliant, mate. And as you say, do some research. If you are looking into go to uni, we've did this before on Connor's episode, but I certainly didn't know that scholarship was an option. It's a, it's a good way to get football and education at the same time. Uh, and solid advice on focusing on what you can control and what you can do now that's, might, that's ultimately going to help you uh, in the end. It's been a good chat, mate. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Everything that you've shared for our players has been great and we hope that players can, can take something from it. Uh, if players were to find out a little bit more about you, what would be the best way to do that? Instagram's always Cammy McKinley9. Uh, I'll be on that, but I'm trying to just 
yeah, just hopefully at the Lonely Top Goal Scorers charts. I think hopefully my name will be up there at the end of the season. That'll be that'll be a benefit. But yeah, the university I'm just trying to do it. I'm always there at the the uni around the sports centre. We're in we're in near enough three or four times a week. So I'm in around that sports centre if, if there's ever anything I, I'm I'm happy to talk to people. I'm happy gym sessions, sitting on a bike, even just having that little chat. I think that's I'm I'm more than happy to do something along them lines, yeah. Ah, that sounds good, mate. No, I really appreciate that. Um, have you enjoyed the chat? Has it been helpful for you? Good, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's reflected in a different way. It's not something I've done, I do very often, but having a thinking, having to actually think about it, it's been, yeah, it's been beneficial. Even just little things, trying to think back of. It reminds you just your sponge mentality and me things that you take away. You always need to remember these type of things, and it's good to reiterate that. And just hopefully people can take seek some benefit from it, and hopefully that can. That people can yeah use it and in, in their in their walks of life and stuff yeah yeah brilliant mate yeah, well really appreciate you coming on i hope that all the listeners have enjoyed uh listening to us chat to cami and hopefully taking something from it tune in again next week when we'll be speaking to someone different working within the world of sport and we'll catch you then cheers cami oh, man, Brad. Cheers.